I know time is marching on, but come and spend some time with me in God's Word, uh, because maybe today this message will be a message that will change your life, will change eternity for you. So, this really counts. And don't worry about the roast potatoes. They'll be okay. I like them crunchy anyway. So, let's think about the Bible. And I think back to harvests of my childhood. Now, I must be getting old because I get kind of nostalgic when it comes to things like that. And when I think back to Westkirk and to our harvest service, I think about the big kind of display there was in the vestibule and the, the centerpiece of it. This is not the exact thing, but it gives you an idea. It was a, a big, and I mean a really big loaf of bread that was baked in the, the shape of a a sheath of wheat, complete with harvest mice, complete with the raisins for eyes, the whole works. And as a wee boy, I used to look at it, and I thought, I'd love to rip just a wee corner of that off and have a bit of that bread. We were told by the ladies who set this up that the bread was inedible. They give us all kinds of warnings about what would happen if we took this bread that was not actually for human consumption. I don't know about that looking back on it now, but it scared me at the time, and it kept me away from the bread. And when you think about it, that was and that is a really appropriate centerpiece for our harvest thanksgiving, because just think for a moment about bread and its importance. Right the way through history, in every time, in every culture, bread has this incredible place in our lives, so that the Lord Jesus taught His disciples to pray, give us our daily bread. And we know that today we've got so much choice when it comes to bread, but bread remains a staple in all of our family homes. So, whatever your preference, whether you're into sardo or soda farls, whether you're into naan bread or nutty crust, you know that bread has an important part to play in our life. And today, understanding just how important bread is to our life, it helps us to even begin to understand why the Lord Jesus calls Himself the bread of life. On this Harvest Sunday, when we're so thankful for everything that God has blessed us with, today, more than anything else, we give thanks to Him for the ultimate gift of His own Son, Jesus Christ. And we know the life that is found in Jesus. We know that today there are millions of people across this world who are gathering as we are gathered to worship Him, to give their devotion to Him. Maybe it leaves you wondering, well, what is it about Jesus that causes so many people on this planet to gather together to worship in His name? What is it about Jesus that means that I should give Him my worship, that I should give Him even my life? Well, we turn to those amazing claims that the Lord Jesus makes about Himself, those wonderful things that He says about Himself in John's gospel. And when you look at them in combination, this is Jesus telling us who He is and why He came into the world. And I would love you to turn with me for a few moments again to John chapter 6, where Jesus proclaims, I am the bread of life. And by describing Himself in this way, 
Jesus is letting us know who He is and why He came into the world. Maybe when you think about all of the the descriptions that Jesus gives of Himself in John, all of these claims that He makes about Himself, maybe you're surprised that under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit, John begins with this particular I am. Why does he not start with Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life? After all, that gets right to the heart of the life that we find in Jesus, how He alone brings us to the Father. Why did He not start by saying, I am the Good Shepherd, which so closely links Jesus with His Father, with God, who is a loving shepherd? Well, by beginning in this way, by beginning with, I am the bread of life, Jesus is enabling us to understand how completely important it is to receive Him and to know Him in our life. So, listen again to the fuller thing that Jesus says in this passage in John 6 in verse 35. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And in describing himself in this way, Jesus is telling us two very important things about himself. Now, I know that as Presbyterians, we're more used to three things being said. I'm sorry to disappoint you that there's only two today, but let's think about those for a moment. The first is this. In saying, I am the bread of life, Jesus is telling us that only He can satisfy. And we think about the time that we live in. Almost a quarter of a way through this century, we get to see the quest that people make in order to gain satisfaction in their life. And we can be lured into that search and that quest as well. People who are pursuing pleasure, who are pursuing the next thrill, where is the next high going to come from? And in doing all of this, people are trying to to satisfy their deepest needs. And some of the things that people pursue are good things. There is nothing wrong with them. They are good in themselves. Other things are, are sinful. They're dishonoring to God. They're wrong and they're harmful to us and to others. And we can be lured into all of these things. Sport and, and food and, and being real foodies and always wanting to get the best taste sensation. People look to chemicals and drugs, to alcohol, to sex. People look to all kinds of things, but the satisfaction that these things bring to them is short-lived. It's partial. So that afterwards, people wake up the next day and they think, no, there's still something missing. I wonder do you feel that way about your life? Has that been a nagging feeling for you that there is something that is missing or something that is lacking in your life? And you would love to know real satisfaction because you're actually hungering and you're, you're thirsting for more in this life. And we're a generation that has completely bankrupted itself in seeking that satisfaction. 
in, in the homes that we build and the, the bigger cars that we buy and the, the more exotic places that we travel to. And, and we're, we're seeking it in all kinds of places. And yet we know that in our society, there are astounding levels of dissatisfaction. There are people who are hungering and they're thirsting for more. Now, what is it that Jesus is telling us about himself when he, he says this, when he says, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, here Jesus is talking about a lasting satisfaction. You see, as the bread of life, Jesus promises that those who trust in him will be permanently satisfied, and in him they will have all that they need. But you might hear that, and you might wonder, well, in what way does Jesus satisfy? What is this all about? Well, to understand that, we need to understand why we're here, not just here in church, but why we are here in this world. And as good Presbyterians may be brought up on the catechism, we will understand this, what life is all about, that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, that that is exactly why we are here in the world, that we have been created to be in relationship with God. So that one of the great figures in church history, Augustine, he said, oh God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And that's what the Lord Jesus does. He brings us back into relationship with God. He restores the relationship for which we have been made, a relationship that is broken by sin, so that in Jesus we find our purpose. We find our whole reason for being here so that Jesus is absolutely true when He says of Himself later in John's gospel, in John 10 verse 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, what does all, what does all of this mean for us today? Well, it means that in Jesus, that search for satisfaction comes to an end. That maybe we've been looking in all of these other places, but we needed to go no further than Jesus Himself. And if there is that missing link in your life, if this is making sense to you because you know that instinctively there is something missing in your life, that there's a lack of purpose, there's a lack of satisfaction, look no further than Jesus. Come to Him, and He will give you life in all of its fullness. And if you're a believer in Jesus today, then show those who are searching for this kind of satisfaction and purpose the difference that Jesus makes. In this passage in verse 27, Jesus brings a warning about materialism, and He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Don't get caught up 
and all of the material things that can lure us away from being satisfied in Christ alone. And don't be complacent, don't be careless as a believer in Christ, because sadly, we can still be seduced away to look to other things to satisfy us. And it's only by grace that I'm kept with the Lord. And I think of other friends who, who were close and now are spiritually nowhere. And the only thing I conclude as I think about my own life and I, says, I think about their lives as well is that this begins with the devil's deception that the bread of life is not enough. Jesus truly satisfies. But there's another thing. Jesus, in calling Himself the bread of life, is reminding us that trusting Him is absolutely essential. You see, not only in Jesus, the bread of life, do we find a life here and now that is better by far, a life of purpose, a life of meeting a, a, a life when we are satisfied, but we also find in Him a life that is eternal. That for those who believe in Him, a life that will go on forever spent in God's presence. And the one thing that Jesus emphasizes time and time again in this passage is that the life that which is found in Him is everlasting. It's summed up in what he says in verse 40. Look at that verse again. He says that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. And there are two things so quickly that I want us to see about this gift of eternal life that that Jesus tells us about in this passage. The first is God's rule in this, which is so clear that it is He who chooses those who come into relationship with Him through His Son. Look, for example, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. And then Jesus continues in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. That great truth that it is God who, who chooses His people is so completely clear that I can't understand why there's anything controversial about that. Rather than being a controversy, that should be a great comfort to those who believe in Christ because there is incredible security in that truth, that this is a relationship that has been initiated by God, and He is completely reliable, 100% trustworthy. And the other thing about this gift of eternal life is that it is exactly that. It is a gift which can neither be bought nor earned. I look at that question that the the people ask Jesus in verse 28, look at what they ask, what must we do to do the work God requires? That's the way in which they're hardwired. Well, there must be something that we have got to do in order to please God. There must be something that we must do in order to earn His love. 
But Jesus' reply blows that kind of thinking apart. Verse 29, He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. He's saying this is not something that you earn by doing the right things, by being good enough. This is a gift that you receive by believing in Jesus, by trusting that Jesus has done the right thing and going to the cross for our sins, that Jesus was good enough, the only perfect sinless man who could take upon Himself our sin. And I really hope you understand this today, so that you would not fall into that trap of thinking, I, if I recognize that there's a problem with sin, will sort out the problem of sin myself. If there is separation from God, I will repair that and get the link sorted out myself. Come to Jesus, because He alone can sort out the problem of sin and repair the relationship and bring us into the eternal presence of God. So, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's not just a case of him saying, come to me, and I'll give you some purpose, and I'll give you satisfaction in this life. It's Jesus saying, you need to come to me to be saved from the eternal separation that there is for those who do not come to Christ and who are lost without him. You need to come to me in order to be brought into an eternity spent with God. Today, do you see Jesus, the bread of life, as your greatest need? The answer to that question is determined by your response. Will you come to the one who is the bread of life? And if you love him and follow him, do you really see the bread of life as being this world's greatest need? Because if you did, if I did, then we would have so much more concern for the spiritual state of our family, our friends, our colleagues and work, the mates we have in school, the people we live with when we go back to uni, wherever it is, and we would pray about them and we would share with them the hope of Jesus Christ, because they have no greater need than the bread of life. As we finish off, we see that back then, when Jesus made this astounding claim about Himself, there were people who could not cope with it. Verse 41, we read of the people who began to grumble about Him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And there are plenty of people who cannot cope with this today. But I want to remind you that nobody else can claim to be the bread of life. No one else can offer this kind of life, a life that is to the full, a life of purpose and satisfaction, true satisfaction here and now, a life 
of security with God forever. It's found in Jesus, the bread of life. And as we make our response to God's Word today, let's bring our praise and our thanksgiving to the Lord, our closing